This episode is brought to you by Vonage. Your business needs more than an 800 number. With Vonage Voice API, you can provide the call experience your customers expect and get the data your team needs. From call analytics and virtual assistance to automatic speech recognition and text-to-speech in multiple languages. Your customer service team can help more people in more places. And with in-app voice, your customers can easily contact you the moment they have a question. Take your calls to the next level with Vonage Voice API. Learn more at Vonage.com. Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of Skincare Anarchy. This is your host, Ekta, and today I have a very, very special guest. Um, I am so thrilled that she made the time to come on our show and share her experience, her background. Um, without further ado, I want to introduce Krista Bennett Demeo. She is a well-known um beauty editor turned writer. She has written for some amazing publications, including Oprah Magazine, MSN, Red Book, so many, so many, um, you know, names in her portfolio. So I don't want to waste your time. I want to give the stage to Krista. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Krista. It's such an honor to have you. Um, sure. So I've been working in the beauty industry professionally for, I think, 18 years. Um, 20 if you want to count my internships, which were also beauty editorial. Um, I grew up with a hairdresser mother who, you know, was not called a hairstylist back then. She was a hairdresser. Um, So I always joke that it's like in my blood, um, but I always wanted to be a writer. And um, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to write, but I loved women's magazines and teen magazines at a really young age. I loved Sassy Magazine. It was my favorite yeah. Um, so when I got to Fordham University, I picked it because it was close to the city and I knew yeah. that that's where the industry was. And I had a lot of people telling me it's going to be really tough, you know, nut to crack and, you know, maybe you should do something else. But I was like, nope, this is what I want to do and I'm going to do it. So I got my first internship at YM Magazine and I was in the fashion closet steaming clothes for an entire semester. Wow. <laughs> and um, I learned pretty quickly that I didn't want to do fashion. There wasn't enough words and um, it just wasn't my thing. But I started watching the other departments. And even though I read magazines, I really had no clue that a beauty department existed and that yeah. there was actually a job of a beauty editor. And I remember watching the beauty girls and thinking, wow, like, it, it's 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 perfect. It's exactly what I want to do. I love beauty products. I love um, makeup. And at that age, I you know was more probably into makeup and hair than skincare. Um, so I approached one of the editors there and asked if I could be her intern the following semester. And then they pretty much had to kick me out. I stayed for maybe three more semesters after that. <laughs> um, I loved it. Um, I took my job very seriously. Um, and then. When I graduated, one of the the beauty director at the time put me in touch with a beauty director of a startup magazine called Grace Woman, oh, and it was it was a lot of the same editors from Mode, which had folded right after nine eleven, and it was geared towards full figured women. Um, it was meant to be more like a vogue for full figured women, more high end clothes and high end beauty. Yeah. So I started working there right after college. I was really lucky, especially in that, you know, post 9-11 economy to get a job. And I think it was it was full time freelance. I made peanuts. I worked probably 50 hours a week for a quarterly, which I'm still not sure yeah. why I worked so hard for a magazine that came out 
four times a year, but well, it's your passion. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it, I call it when I tell people about it. I call it editorial boot camp because it was a shoestring budget. It was a really lean staff, so I got to do so much more than I would have been able to do at a glossy publication at Condé Nast or Hearst. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I worked with Jackie Stafford, who um, be, remains one of my mentors. Um, so, okay, so let me start off where I was. It opened up the doors for more opportunity. Um, I did some free, full-time freelance work at um, Seventeen Magazine, and that was sort of a dream come true to you know work at another teen magazine that I loved as a teen. Yeah. And um, then I, from there, I got a job at Redbook as the associate beauty editor, which was a nice step up at that point. Um, and that I stayed there for seven years. And wow. that was an amazing experience. I worked with really wonderful women and men. Um, I, I worked, I don't know if you know Cheryl Kramer Kay. She's also, you know, one of those famous beauty directors, but yeah. she continues yeah. to be my mentor today. I bounce things off of her all the time. She still assigns me work. Uh, it was a fun and I decided to go freelance when I had my first child almost 10 years ago. Oh, wow. <laughs> Uh, well, I used to, I live out on Long Island, which is about an hour, Huntington, New York, which is about an hour away from the city. So it was a really hard call to make to go freelance. Um, but I knew I wouldn't get to see my child that yeah, much. Yeah, that's a huge thing. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. I went back part time when she was two. Um, I worked at OK Magazine and I worked at Shape Magazine as the acting beauty director for several months. And I liked having the balance. I was in there a couple times a week and I was home. But I think ultimately I went on to have more kids. I think that the freelance writing that I can do from my desk at home just makes a little bit more sense for my lifestyle right now. Yeah. And, and you know, there's no price you can put on authenticity, right? I mean, it's Absolutely. like, like I, I think I bring that up because I think from everything you just told me, it's like you're chasing which you really believed in, you know what I mean? And, and getting behind projects that you really believe in. And I think that is um, at the heart of any professional track, you know, at this point, because being someone who comes from, you know, a South Asian background, I, I see a lot of professionals going into something they might not love. You know what I mean? So, so when I talk to someone like you and I hear your story a little bit, um, you know, it's important that you, you, you kind of stuck to your guns. You know what I mean? You're like, this is what I want to do. This is what I love to do. So yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. And I, when I went freelance, my thought process was now I'm going to take the jobs I want to take yeah. and the stories that interest me. I will say, I think as a freelancer, you tend to take a little bit of everything because then you start to realize you don't know when your next paycheck is coming in. Yeah. So I haven't always been able to do that. But um, I think now, especially that I have three kids, my time is a little bit um you know, more precious. So I do have to be a little bit more choosy. So when someone comes to me with a story, sometimes I do have to choose between two stories and I'll pick the one that totally interests me versus the one that I feel like I have to do. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's probably, that's in my opinion, puts your work, um, is always going to make your work good. You know, that's, that's the, like the fundamental, like, I really love hearing women say that is like, I, cause you know, oftentimes I have a lot of my female colleagues will say, you know, I had to compromise this, I'd compromise a little bit to eventually get to where I want to be. You know what I mean? But it's like, I don't understand that because it's like, you're such an educated, <laughs> you know what I mean? Woman, like you have to stand your ground. So wow. I'm so impressed. This is so cool. Um, yeah. So why do you know, I want to know your opinion um, about 
and and actually your experience more than anything about what it's been like with like your piece when you write a piece um you know what do you really consider um in terms of your inspiration and and when you you know kind of brainstorm through the idea what you're going to write about like what are things that you look at in your your whole research process um well i will say that I'd say the majority of my stories that I am assigned come, the idea does come down from the editor. Um, I do pitch from time to time, but I have such a great working relationship with some editors that they just come to me with their story that they want to see, um, you know, fleshed out. So, um, so that part is easy because like I usually have at least a good concept to work with and it's my job to sort of turn it into something real. Um, I, I love all facets of beauty. Um, when I was in my 20s, I'd say that I loved makeup more. I, it was fun and it was something that I felt like I was good at. I loved getting new makeup tips. But as I got older and my own interest changed, I think skincare became more of my thing. Yeah, yeah. And um, I love a good research-driven, science-heavy skincare piece that I can dive into yes. periodically studies. Um, I can talk to top dermatologists. Um, I feel like I've learned so much about in science in the last 10 years that I wish I took it a little more seriously in school. Oh my gosh. Just, <laughs> honestly, this is, this is exactly like the kind of conversation I, I want to have with people because I, you don't have to be a scientist to be a scientist. You know no. what I mean? Like you really yeah. don't. We're all researchers at the heart of everything. Yeah. Yeah. Someone had asked me once I was writing about melanoma, which um, I've written about a fair amount in the last year. Yeah. And someone had asked me if that's my, do I have qualifications to do that? And I was explaining that I talk to dermatologists and get my information and, and read through studies. And it's my job as the writer to then relay that to the readers in terms that they can understand. Yes, absolutely. And that's, you know, when I look at your work, I see it as no different than me writing a peer-reviewed uh, like a review paper right and it's getting uh, going through the peer review process and getting published in like a journal like a medical journal like it's the same level of you know you we, you have to do that research and you know doing yeah. it on your own is at the heart of all not only science but everything that has to do with journalism you know so that's that's so yeah. cool that you said that and I love that and you, in my friends and you're talking about and featuring your brand um what do you you know what do you what's your process with working with the brand um, and, and the whole relationship there? Um, well, it's, it's, it, it really depends on the story um, and the, and the outlet, the the publication or the website. Um, sometimes they want to hear from brand people. Sometimes they don't, they want to keep it more objective and talk to outside um, dermatologists and people who are not tied to any brands. Yeah. Um, but when I am discussing new technology, um, you know, new, even, even research that came from a brand, I do talk to the brand people, their R and D people to understand it. Um, And like, like I recently did this big story for Oprah magazine in the, in the October issue on clean beauty. And we had a good amount of brand people in there because I feel like something like that, the messaging is coming from the brands. Like beauty wouldn't exist if it wasn't from what we're hearing from these brands. So I feel like stories like that, you have to talk to brand people. Um, a story about skin cancer, maybe a little bit less, unless it's a, a, a new skin uh, sunscreen innovation that I need to have explained by someone in R&D. Yeah, yeah. 
like and that makes sense you know yeah yeah it's it's like you're going to the source <laughs> like what you know what's so yeah that's that's awesome i love that um, yeah, you know, and it's also you know with with the science again. Um, it's my job as a writer to sort of figure out who has good science and who doesn't. Because at the on the brand side, it's a little bit tricky sometimes. You know, it's they're not peer reviewed journals; they're their own clinical trials. So um, you kind of have to read through and sort of figure out you know what's the real deal and what's not. What and I think your, what is your opinion if you don't mind me asking about that? Like the clinical trial, not even clinical trials, they're independent um research, you know what I mean for brands. Yeah. Like, what is your it, opinion? It's tricky. I mean, I feel like a lot of it I, my personal theory, I don't know if this holds up at all. Yeah. Um when you see something that says 99% of people said they saw less wrinkles in 4 weeks, I'm kind of like, mm, yeah, I doubt it. When I see something that says 68% of people saw less wrinkles, I think, you know what, maybe they're, they're being honest. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I feel like if they're, if it sounds too good to be true, it, it might be, um, it probably is. I do take some of it with a grain of salt, but I feel like there are some brands out there that I trust and know, um, that have amazing science. I mean, I'm happy to go through some of them if you'd like to hear, but, um, I do think that, you know, if I do trust their, their science behind it. I would love for you to like, give us an example. I mean, um, yeah. I feel like is an amazing brand and I think they have really great science behind their products. Um, I would bathe in the CE ferulic acid if I could, <laughs> um, on the drugstore level. I, I love Olay. I've always thought that they, their R and D is amazing. Um, they're a big brand. They have a lot to lose. You know, if like, I feel like they have to um, stand up to their claims. Yeah. Um, so I tell a lot of my friends when they're asking where they can, when they're looking to like jump in with anti-aging for the first time and they don't want to spend a lot of money. I always say, you know, start with Olay because I feel like it is a real deal brand. Yeah, no, it is a real deal. I mean, that's a huge brand. I love that you brought up Olay because the whole cold cream and my mom used to use their cold cream, yeah. and, you know? <laughs> yeah, I know. My grandmother always called it oil of Olay, even when it was not called that anymore. Same. Oh my gosh, my mom says the same. <laughs> yes. No, I mean, it's a classic brand. Like, you know, yeah. I think we all grew up with seeing that little Olay bottle on the, you know, on the vanity and being like, this is pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's and really I, cool. I, I do think that, you know, anti-active, anti-aging actives that um, really do something, they do tend to cost more money. So I understand yeah. that they are at a higher price point, but when you're dealing with these giant brands owned by P and G, like they, they can do it for less. Right. So um, I don't think that there's anything wrong with getting anti-aging at the mass market level at all. I think there's really amazing brands on the mass market level. Well, see, I have this problem with the phrase anti-aging. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's like, yeah. I think it needs to be rebranded or something, yeah. Krista, because honestly, we are all aging. <laughs> we will not stop aging. We want to uh, age well. We, we don't want to. Our telomeres, you know, like, yeah. I'm just like all the science. Like, I, my brain just, like, short circuits when I hear yeah. that. And it's like, You're right. <laughs> you know, and I yeah. think, and, and I, it's not because I don't believe in this, this idea. It's more of, let's just be honest. You know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. it's. It needs yeah. a different it needs a different name. Um, I do think that I think there I th there's been a few magazines that had said they were kind of backing away from calling it anti aging, which is great. Yeah. 
Yeah, let, let's not call it anti-aging. Yeah. And, and you know, um, more than anything, one thing I've observed um, just by meeting some amazing um, entrepreneurs and they're, they're launching their lines and this, this, you know, environment of just science done right, you know, and they're not making claims like, oh, well, this is going to make your crow's feet, gr- you know, completely yeah. go away. No, they're yeah. telling you exactly scientifically. Like yesterday, I just, I interviewed the girls behind, um, uh, you know, this amazing new brand Droplet and they are such a phenomenal women, you know I mean? And I was talking to them about all the science and it's like at no one point, no point did they bring up anti-aging or anti, the, because I think in the science community, it's understood, you know, you can't yeah. make claims like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's just in, ingrained in me from years and years of it, but you're right. It needs a new, it needs a new title. Yeah. So, okay. Um, just to uh, shift focus a little bit. So, you know, on, from my end on the influencer side of Instagram, especially in the skincare industry, um, a lot of influencers are focusing right now on, um, you know, melanated skin friendly products, <laughs> you know, something that they say, you know, they want to be able to recommend to everybody. It doesn't matter your, your complexion or, your, you know, just like very versatile products. Is there any, um, you know, does something pop in your mind when you think about that? Like, you know, just um, people of color friendly products or a line that just stands out for you. And also just what's your, you know, what's your opinion about that whole conversation? Um, I think it's, you know, definitely an important conversation to have. And I think that, um, you know, Instagram really has helped bring that to the forefront. Um, You know, working in women's magazines for almost 20 years, I've seen it change. I think that um, years ago, they didn't do a good job of representing all skin tones. I think that it's gotten better. I think there's still probably room to grow for a lot of them. Um, And I think that Instagram, you know, I feel like Instagram is a place that you can go and see people who don't look like you. And I think that's really important and, and see that, um, see what other people are doing and hear that it's just a little bit more accessible than a magazine at this point. Um, yeah. So I think that it's great that people are having these conversations, um, you know, as long as it seems genuine and not like they're jumping on a trend. Yes, yes. The trend. Yeah, I'm so glad you said that because I'm not going to lie. Sometimes it felt like that for me. It's yeah. like, is this just kind of like a, a pitch? You know yeah. what I mean? And, and I don't know. But the, yeah, that's interesting because I think as as a woman of color, I'm I kind of don't like it. You know what I mean? Like it, in my, it's like I don't like being told, "Well, this is women of color friendly." I feel like that's more discriminatory than anything. Yeah, I you know? agree with that. Yeah, I um, I think even not with the brands and on the PR side, I think everybody needs to be careful that they're not, you know, it's it's almost like too much. Like they, yeah. Do, um, you know, I'd like to see other things. Like I think brands are doing some brands are doing some great things with. Um, mentorships and making sure that their self their shelf space is dedicated to a certain amount of black owned products. I think that um, before this, we didn't really have those conversations like people weren't necessarily pointing it out. And now they are. So if brands are going to then, you know, have a call to action and do what they're supposed to do, I think that it's a good thing. Um, But I remember that one week that every brand in the world sent out an email and it was like, you know, well, this is great, but let's see what you're going to do about it. So yes, I'm happy to see that some brands are doing something about it. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, you know, forward movement, right? It's it, progress is progress. Yeah. But yeah, I agree. I agree with you. And I and I think that you know, just an idea that comes to mind. You know, I sit there sometimes and I'm like, I know people think about this stuff. I just don't know why it's not being implemented. You know, it's like, why don't, why don't you partner up with something like the skin of color society or the American board of dermatology and then ask them for their, you know, their, the immense resource of physicians and, you know, just not even, you know, scientists, but just the, the teams they have, you know what I mean? Yeah. Use them. Yeah, I think that you know whether you're a, a beauty editor, a beauty writer, an influencer. I think that we all have that responsibility that we should be going to that level. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Wow. So, okay, I, I'm just you know I'm really loving this conversation. This is, I think, the most candid conversation <laughs> I've had um, in a, in a long time about this stuff. So, w- when you like. Okay, so when you look at the beauty, I guess the beauty movement, I feel like it's going more towards like a e-magazine concept, yeah. you know? And I I don't know. I don't really like that because I was the girl that grew up with Seventeen magazine. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, and and you get the subscription and you open it and you're just obsessed for that day, you know, yeah. like reading the magazine. Um so what do you think about that? The whole um, thing? It, it makes me sad because I am a magazine girl at heart too. Um, I, I mean, I do see the, obviously the power in, in digital. I mean, it could reach so many more people, but there's just something so nice about holding a magazine in your hand. And when I get one in my mailbox, I still get excited. I look at my list of publications that I've written for and I can, you know, slash off more than half of them as being gone now, which is so sad. Even Redbook, you know, was around for over oh. years and it's gone. Yeah. Um, so that I do think that it's it's sad, but at the same time, um, I am. It's interesting how my career has evolved because of digital world. Um, I do, I do things that I never really, I, last week I wrote a video script for something and it's just things that I never saw myself doing. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. And, um, I think that it, it's just, I, even, even the, you know, we, we, people talk, a lot of people in my field will talk, tell you about the, the blurred lines of, of editorial and, and, and advertising, which in a magazine had to sort of be far apart at some point, but. In the digital world, it's a little bit more blended. And I do do a fair amount of branded content, which is interesting uh, because, you know, to work, then you're working on the brand side and and writing with like an editorial voice, but it's really marketing writing. So that's been been an interesting change in my work too. Um, I still have a good amount of editorial, but I I have to, you know, I will admit that branded content is a, a, a good part of what I do now. Yeah, and I, I think that, I'm glad that it benefited you. I'm really happy to hear that because, you know, you're one of the minds behind all of this. You know what I mean? It inspires the, these pieces and these, this, this writing in the magazines. It's inspired an entire generation. I mean, millennials, we grew up with magazines. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like we're very, very, um, we're all magazine people. Let's be yeah. honest, you know, and it's, I, I just, I don't know. I don't like the whole everything on E. So look, let me ask you, if you were to see a new magazine, a new publication coming up, and they've said, hey, you know what, we're paper only, we we only have, you know, we really want to stick to this idea of a magazine, you know, we don't want to bring it into the e-magazine format. What what are some things that, that you would look for, Udi, right now? It's got, you know, it's very trend oriented, right? And I think it's always been trend oriented, 
but the trends are changing in a way that now the the people who are you know like it's like a niche oriented mentality now you know what I mean whereas before I think it was more of okay you know what's what's everyone doing now I don't think it's like that from what I'm seeing you know so like what do you see as the future for beauty and just like which direction do you think this entire industry is kind of moving in? Um, I think you're right that it is a niche thing. Um, we're seeing so much in the customized department, especially with skincare. Um, there's yeah. so many brands now that, you know, are whipping up these uh, customized formulas based on these lengthy questionnaires that you take. And I think that is going to be a big part of it because everyone's skin is a little different and everybody's needs are a little different. So um I think that that's kind of cool that that we have technology now to come up with, um, you know, these algorithms using artificial intelligence and all this high tech stuff to come up with a different product, you know, for me and for you and everybody else, gets, everyone gets their own unique product. Yeah, yeah, that uniqueness. I, yeah, that's interesting. So it's like a more personalized approach. Yeah, to me. yeah like, I think I think I mean, we've seen it with even with makeup, I mean, there's been customized lines over the years, but I think skincare in the last couple of years has really gone that way. Um, So what do you think about like these uh, services, like, you know, for example, Curology or like, you know, some of these like customized skincare brands, like what's your opinion? I think they're, I think they're really good. I did, I did a story on them. Um, I researched a lot of them. I talked to a ton of brand people for them. Um, They all have based on, you know, really good science. Some of them, I would say, are based on really good science. Um, I know, like, SkinCeuticals has one that you do with a dermatologist in office, and they compound yeah. your own personal product. Um, I think that those are pretty awesome. Um, I tried a few of them while I was working on that story, and I was impressed with the results. Um, I bounce around a lot mm-hmm. with, with what I use. I've been trying really hard to stick to a retinoid for the last <laughs> You know, at least yeah. the last year I turned 40 and I'm like, okay, I have to stop bouncing around and I have to stick to something that will Yeah, it's like yeah. your favorite kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, I don't know. It's it's interesting because beauty, like, like the, you know, with the whole customization of skincare, I think it's taking a more dermatology guided path. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I, I like seeing that, but I don't know. I feel like sometimes it turns away a lot of people. Um, Maybe just, you know, women that, aren't really I don't know they're not that yeah, and they're not really intimidating and they just want to go into a store and pick a jar off the shelf and and I think that you know yeah. there's plenty of that too and it's it's there's so many lines out there it's 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 easy to do that um I I think that there's amazing technology out there at the end of the day I do still think that the best products are still guided by those tried and true ingredients. They might market it different. They might have a questionnaire to help figure out which of the tried and true you you should be using. But I still think those science driven products that we have tons of research behind, um, I should say ingredients that we have tons of research behind are still what's the, you know, in these top products. So what is your, if you were to give advice to a brand that is like that, they've got the science down, they're doing everything they can on that end, but they want that aesthetic that's going to really go, make them go viral. What advice would you give them from just your experience and what you've seen? Um, hmm. 
When I think about the brands that really get traction, um, I mean, a lot of it just has to do with their messaging and um, the, like what's on their what's on their website, their blogs, their the content that they're driving out. Um, I think those that's the stuff that people relate to, and I think that's where you know branded content comes in. Um, in that it doesn't sound forced; it sounds conversational, and it sounds editorial. And I think consumers are pretty savvy and they can tell when they're being fed a line of marketing BS. So I think that's why so many brands now do use former editors and writers to, um, to write their beauty content because it just comes across with a little bit more authority. Um, Yeah. So when a brand, like, okay, so, you know, I'm curious from your, just your opinion, because I, I feel like you're so driven and, you know, you're, you have the right mentality with approaching your work, in my opinion. So I really commend you on that. So if it, I mean, I'm curious if a brand approached you and they were just, you know, they were like, hey, you know, we really love your work and we'd love your opinion about how to improve and, you know, how would you look at that versus a big brand like Olay? You know what I mean? Like you're, you know, they're established. I would love to work with a small brand. Um, I think, you know, that's getting them, getting them page views, getting them noticed, getting them in, in Google searches. I mean, that's rewarding work. If it's a brand that I really thought had something um, and had good products that they want to get out there. Uh, I do a lot of work with, I don't know if you know, um, Molly Nova Baker, who was a former beauty director at Women's Health. And um, she has a group called the Edit Collective. So I'm part of a group with former editors where we do we do some editorial with her, but we also do some branded content. And I feel like that's been, some of her brands have been these smaller brands, but the technology is pretty cool. And, and it has yeah. a big point of difference um, compared to what else is on the marketplace. But it's about getting that word out there and getting past all these major brands and getting noticed. So I think really that's where the content comes in. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, I love that. I love that it's like, you know, um, a collaborative effort like that. Yeah. That's really cool. Um, okay. So I'm going to ask you one last question in closing because I have to ask you, what is your one skincare product that you really love? Um, okay. I just posted about it on Instagram, but... I know. That's well, what I'm asking you. <laughs> I posted about a few, but I'll post. I will say the Muesli night cream. Um, it's yeah. it again going back to my point about tried and true. It's a retinoid. It's yeah. it's tretinoin. It's been around for a long time. It's been well studied. It works. Um, it also has niacinamide in it, which is um, it, anti has anti inflammatory properties. I think that's what helps me not. I have, tend to have sensitive skin, and this one doesn't really bother me too much. Um, it also has hyaluronic acid, which is another, you know, tried and true. It's going to hydrate your skin and plump it up. Um, I, I, it's just like a nice trio of, of ingredients. And I really, during quarantine, I was, I, I have to admit that I sometimes get a little bit bored of beauty. I've been doing it for so long and I'm sent to all these products and I sometimes get a little jaded and think, yeah, I don't know. This is that's kind of what Brian <laughs> said too when we had him on. He was kind of like, we just yeah, I mean, it's hard. I mean, it. I remember yeah. back in the 2000s when like the lip plumpers were all the rage. And every time a new lip, lip plumper landed on my desk, I would literally roll my eyes because it was like lip, plump, lip plumper overload. And it gets like that yeah. with a lot of things. And you see all these products. So, 
but during quarantine, I guess, you know, I was bored. I was needing a little bit more joy in my life. And I started like really getting more into beauty again and like yeah. dog earing pages and magazines of things I wanted to try and, and, and following more, you know, Instagram um, influencers. So I picked up the Muesli product and I said, you know what, I'm going to start using it you know, and see what it does. And I have to say, I think it worked. I mean, I, I think I commented back to you that my nine-year-old, I was in her yeah. bed the other day and she said, well, you know, mom, your, your forehead does look a little smoother. <laughs> and I was like, wow, that was smooth forehead. That was totally <laughs> worth the money for my nine-year-old to give me a compliment like that. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I love yeah. that. Well, that. I mean, it's not, it's not, um, I don't want to discredit them and say it's not groundbreaking because it is, it, it, I mean, all of, all of these ingredients work, but of course it's about the individual formulation to make them all work together and to keep the formula stable and all that. So, but it is those tried and true ingredients. And I feel like at the end of the day, it's sunscreen, it's a good moisturizer and it, and I don't want to say anti-aging at these Aging well ingredients like retinoids and peptides and hyaluronic acid and vitamin C and, you know, the stuff that we've been hearing about. The good stuff. The, good stuff, yeah. the really good and, stuff. And again, yeah. it, it is about sometimes how it's marketed. And Muesli has an interesting platform in that they are offering um, prescription strength retinoids without a doctor's appointment. You do like an e-nurse visit, um, somebody looks over That's your really criteria cool. gives you some instructions they rec- they want you to follow an app and check in and make sure you're not having any issues it, it is it is really yeah, an interesting follow. way to deliver a tried and true product that's I love that. I really love that. And I love the um telehealth like yeah. aspect. You know what I mean? Like the yeah, that's really cool. You know, another brand that I really appreciate that does that is not skincare, but yeah. formulate for hair. They do that too. I love seeing that. It's like, literally, I think telehealth is the, this is my honest opinion about the medical field. It's the next wave. You know what I mean? Like this is everyone. We are so used to it at this point. So I think brands taking inspiration from that is just, yeah, it should be done. We're we're all busy, busy people. And to, to go to my dermatologist just for a prescription for a retinoid you know, that's hard for me to do. I'll get there once a year for my skin cancer check and I'll walk out with a tube of a retinoid, but I don't necessarily go every couple months, you know, to, to get a, a script. So yeah. I think that it makes sense for sure to offer that option for people who want to, uh, you know, not have to spend time sitting in a waiting office, a waiting room. I completely agree. Wow. Um. So, okay. I'm, I'm just so, this was such oh, an amazing that I was so nervous. I'm so um, I was nervous. Are you kidding? I'm sitting here like just, you know, yeah, this is this was so amazing, Crystal. Thank you so much for coming on and just talking. I mean, this is really why I created Skincare Anarchy. I want us to all just sit down and talk, you know what I mean, and share our opinions. So this means so much to open this conversation with you. Um, you know, anyone listening out there, you know, if you're interested in coming on the show, please DM skincare anarchy. I'm, I'm going to see it. This is active. I'm going to see it. So, you know, I'd love to have anyone on who really wants a, like a strong conversation, you know? So thank you, Krista, for being a pioneer. I'm happy to be one of (laughs) Um, your early guests and I hope that um, it does great things. Yes. 
Hey guys, this is Ekta again. I just want to say thank you so much to Krista Bennett Demeo. She has been such a wonderful person to speak to about beauty, skincare, everything. I really admire the work um, of editors who inspired an entire generation, really, um, when I look back. And I just, it was such an honor speaking to you, Krista. And I really, really um, hope that somebody out there, you know, really benefits from this advice because you had so many amazing pearls to offer. So if you guys are listening and you loved this episode, please go and comment on our Instagram uh, cover art for it. Please subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and all the other platforms we're available on. This podcast is truly something that is a passion project for me. I really, really love skincare and I've always loved makeup. So to have any of the guests um, that agree to come on is truly a privilege. And um, I feel very, very honored to host everybody. So thank you again. And I hope you enjoyed the episode. I'll talk to you guys next time. Bye bye.